Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've never seen a wide receiver that didn't want to celebrate and get on camera, even if it wasn't for them. And for him to just kind of jog off the field while his teammates are all celebrating a pretty big event for, for Deontay Johnson was probably as telling to me as the deletion of the social media or anything else. It was pretty clear that that didn't matter to him because it wasn't him. And that's, that's not the attitude to have. What you're talking about there was like the signature moment of the season for the Steelers so far, right? Oh, that absolutely that game winning touchdown by Deontay, the whole team's reaction. It's like uh, that's the kind of scene that teams will look back on, like opposing teams down the road will look back to be watching film on the Steelers preparing and look back and see that kind of reaction and be like, oh, man, this is a team. We're going to have our hands full with these guys, just like their reaction, yeah. how close they are. And for Pickens to kind of take a steaming crap on that moment. I think that was the worst look. I agree with you 100%, Kurt. That was the worst look of the whole thing. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into the show. It's Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good friend, Kurt Popejoy. It's the Steelers Wire podcast. We're powered by the USA Today Network. Kurt, of course, is the managing editor of the Steelers Wire. How are we doing this week, Kurt? Doing good. Been nice to have that little mini buy, you know, kind of get prepped for this week and, and kind of relax a little bit after another another exciting finish last week. Did you enjoy a drama-free mini bye week, Kurt? Would you say that? No, not at all. There's, <laughs> there's no such thing with the Steelers. I'm here for the drama. I know Mike Tomlin is focused on the Packers. He's not focused on George Pickens, Kurt, but damn it, I'm here for the drama. I've been dying to get on here and talk to you about this. I yeah. I, I loved his reaction to the story. He called it a pebble in my shoe. It's just so mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin. It was perfect. I love that. But like the George Pickens stuff, I've been fascinated with ever since Thursday night. The Steelers win that game. There was good vibes, especially after Deontay Johnson caught the touchdown. Our thoughts on that coming up. Uh, but just just to set the stage real quick before I get your take on it, like he posts the story with the character, with the frustrated character and the words free me, mm-hmm. which we all know what that means. He's hardly the first right. to use the free me phrase. Like that is a thing right. that athletes do. Um, so we all know what that means. On Thursday night, Kurt, he looked like a petulant child on the sideline, right? He just did. He, did. he just had a he was just sulking and it was not a good look. Yeah. After the game, of course, the Steelers won this game. You wouldn't know it, but the Steelers won the game. He unfollows all his teammates except for Broderick Jones and Mason Rudolph. (laughs) So that was, and then he reinstates all those posts and trolls Steelers fans and media alike with the message, quote, assumptions, laugh out loud over a pitcher. That has nothing to do with football. Y'all need urgent care, laugh out loud. So I love this whole thing. I love the bitchy player going on social media and then calling us clowns for reacting to it. It's just like, I'm obsessed with all this, Kurt. What do you think about it? Well, I think it's just great that the Steelers have finally found another wide receiver to do this to them. You know, it's it's been a couple of years since they've had a, a, a an, you know, bloated ego at wide receiver who's who's going to create drama off the field when things don't go their way on the field. You know, that Chase Claypool and and you know Antonio Brown and people like that. I mean, we were due, we were due for another guy like this. But uh, you know, I I don't think it's fair to Mike Tomlin that he has to you know, talk to the press and and you could tell that it was just that sort of canned line. I mean, we've heard Mike Tomlin say these same things about Antonio Brown and these same things about 
Juju Smith-Schuster even and Chase Claypool and these different guys, no one believes him. You know, you talk about a pebble in your shoe. Well, Steelers beat guy, Mark Caboli said, I thought I had a pebble in my shoe once turned out to be a nail and I had to get a tetanus shot. So <laughs> yeah, that to me is kind of the, kind of the way to, to look at this. You can say it's a pebble in your shoe, but if this continues, it's, it's going to be more than that to the team. I was just really glad to hear guys like Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson and Al Robinson actually talk to George Pickens at halftime about it tried to kind of get him, you know, turned around a little bit, help them, help him understand, you know, that this, the game is bigger than, than any one person. And I mean, you know, George Pickens got to understand. And I, I wrote about this, um, the, over this last week, there are a lot of things he could do to make himself a better player. Um, he has sort of lived on this raw athleticism, you know, highlight real catches, drawing attention, you know, with one big player, two big plays a game. But that's not what's sustainable in the NFL. That's not going to sustain his career in the NFL. He's he's got to learn to be a better player because the best receivers that have ever played all still got catches when they were double and triple teamed. You know, you, you can't use the excuse that they the defense shuts you down when Antonio Brown was double and triple teamed every single play he ever ran, and he still had six seasons with over a hundred catches. So that had to do with his work ethic. And I think that's where Pickens needs to needs to focus his attention just be a good player be a good teammate yeah so. yeah exactly i mean it's just bullcrap i mean you acted like a petulant child george pickens you got called out yeah. for it um well came to your senses go you ahead know, just like the video you know that the 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 aerial shot of deontay johnson's touchdown and here deontay johnson 665 days since he last scored a touchdown he's excited his teammates are excited and you could just see george pickens just jogging off the field casually I've never seen a wide receiver that didn't want to celebrate and get on camera, even if it wasn't for them. And for him to just kind of jog off the field while his teammates are all celebrating a pretty big event for, for Deontay Johnson was probably as telling to me as the deletion of the social media or anything else. It was pretty clear that that didn't matter to him because it wasn't him. And that's that's not the attitude to have. What you're talking about there was like the signature moment of the season for the Steelers so far, right? Oh, that absolutely that game-winning touchdown by Deontay, the whole team's reaction. It's like uh, that's the kind of scene that teams will look back on. Like opposing teams down the road will look back to be watching film on the Steelers preparing and look back and see that kind of reaction and be like, "Oh man, this is a team. We're gonna have our hands full with these guys." Just like their reaction, yeah. how close they are, and for Pickens to kind of take a steaming crap on that moment. I think that was the worst look. I agree with you 100%, Kurt. That was the worst look of the whole thing. And in a league that is so filled with these like prepared and choreographed celebrations, you could tell when Johnson scored that touchdown, he didn't know what to do. <laughs> he doesn't have a plan. He no. was elated. He had no idea how to respond to that. And you could just tell that was probably as genuine a celebration as you would ever see. He was still even like over on the sidelines with his arms out, sticking out, looking up at the sky and you know, there's that shot of him doing that in front of one of his teammates and there's George Pickens right next to him just with his head down, kind of sulking. And it's like, come on. Yep. As Heinz Ward said, right? It's not about you. It's not about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that's what it is with George Pickens. I'm I'm not that worried about it. I think the Steelers will be yeah. able to squash it. They have a good culture, good a good room. Pickens is a good player. He's a young player. He acted out a little. Didn't he act out last year? It was like a, after the Falcons game. There was a game last year yes. where they won and he was acting like a baby afterwards again. Mm -hmm. So like... He's just got to figure out how to stop worrying about his touches and his stats and 
worry about winning winning football games. I'm sure he'll yeah. get there. The Steelers have a good room. They'll they'll figure it out. Is that is that the puppy in the background? We I can hear that puppy run around a little bit, Kurt. He's part of the show. Part of the show this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's all good. The Steelers the Steelers fire up the puppy. Let's talk about fourth quarter Kenny for a little bit. During Mike Tomlin's presser this week, uh, an interesting stat was thrown at him. Heading into week 10, Kenny Pickett has a passer rating of 75.3 from quarters one through three, but a 108.2 passer rating in the final 15 minutes of games. That's insane. It's an awesome stat. Mike Tomlin said he isn't worried. Should he be, though, Kurt? Is that really a sustainable formula? He has continually said this season it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Games are never decided in the first quarter, you know, all these sorts of things. And I get all that. I mean, that's that's great football talk. But when they've gotten beat this year, they've lost many of those games, you know, several of those games they've lost in the first quarter. They got so far behind, they couldn't come back. And so it, it's not completely honest for him to sit here and say games aren't lost in the first quarter. Against San Francisco, that game was kind of lost in the first quarter. You know, they they were down so far, there was no coming back from that. And so I think Tomlin is going to ride this out as long as he can, hope his defense keeps getting better, hopes the running game continues to improve and sort of shield Pickett from criticism. They keep winning. You're always going to have a really strong section of the fan base that is is happy with above 500 and that's kind of where we're going to be. You know, I think we're going to be right around that nine, 10 wins into the season. And you know, that, that opens up an off season of a whole nother set of debates, especially with, with, uh, you know, Pickett heading into his third year, Matt Canada heading into the final year of his contract. It's going to create a whole new narrative for the Steelers going into the off season, depending on how this year ends. Yeah, it is interesting, and they have got a good head start on getting those nine wins. They're already at five. They win this yeah. week. They're at six. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, I just think, you know, this is another one. I think Tomlin wasn't being as – he's being funny, but he's not being as forthcoming with, with the media. He's kind of playing the game. Uh, I think he knows this isn't a good situation. He's talked to the past, Kurt, about, you know, the goal is to win definitively, right? He's talked about – he mm-hmm. recently talked about the officiating and said the goal is to win defi- definitively so we don't have to worry about officiating, and that doesn't come into play. So, but, you know, at, at least in this post-Ben Roethlisberger era and probably towards the end of his time too, the Steelers never do that. They never win by large yeah. margins. They never win definitively, Kurt, right? So it's always a battle. I mean, at times it's yeah. admirable, right? But it's hardly a trademark of a great team or a really good quarterback, a, a team that, you know, only wins in the, at the very end and, and sucks for the first three quarters, right? That's just not oh. the trademark of a great team. So they got to figure this out. It's actually a big, it's actually an issue. Oh, and you hate, you hate to see the players go up to the post-game press conference after a win and still have to talk about what went wrong. Sure. You know, that's, that's, that cannot be easy for these guys to, to come up there and be happy because you've won a game and you're two games over 500. And the first question to be, well, what went wrong in the first half? How are you going to, you know, you've all eight games this year, you've been outgained by the opposition. Uh, never happened in the history of the NFL. You know, the, the, you know, no, no team has ever been outgained for, for their first eight games and be over 500. And, you know, they don't, they don't want to answer those questions. They want to talk about all the good things that happened. And invariably it's, it, it sounds, sometimes these press conferences sound like they're coming from a loss you know, it doesn't sound like they won the game based on the questions they're being asked and the responses they're giving, you know, especially you get those poor offensive linemen get out there 
and the team wins 20 to 16. And all the offensive line hears about is, you know, why'd you get pushed around up front and why aren't you more physical and, you know, this and this. And then you get, you know, former Steelers coming out talking about that sort of thing. And it's like, to me, that would have to like wear on your, your psyche after a while, you know, getting yourself up to play every week, knowing even if we win, we're going to have to answer questions about why we aren't better. I think that's a really good point. Um, Another topic I wanted to hit on real quick, Kurt, is like my favorite story, my favorite player in the league. It's not just because I moved to Minneapolis recently. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Dobbs. Now, he mentioned Mike yeah. Tomlin uh, recently. He said after that crazy, amazing win featuring Dobbs with the Vikings over Atlanta, he said, quote, in this league, there is never an excuse for your circumstance. I learned that from Mike Tomlin. Usually people don't care about your circumstance they just want to see you succeed given the circumstances you're given. So I'm sure that was in response to them asking, uh, Josh, how do you come to a team on like you arrive at the facility on what Wednesday and don't even know your teammates take no reps and come in the game. You're teaching the offensive line, your cadence on the sideline and then figure out how to way to, to, to lead them to victory. Right. That's just like an yeah. unbelievable story. But like, you know, Joshua Dobbs, he's kind of like one of the, the best stories of the, oh. in the league right now. And he was with the Steelers for a while. The Steelers drafted him. He was here. Ben Roethlisberger loved him. And you just yeah. got to wonder now, as Joshua Dobbs starts to make a name for himself in the league, should the Steelers have done more to keep him around? I don't know the answer to that question. I know he hasn't been a Steeler for a while, Kurt, but I just wanted, right. to, I, I just wanted to get your take on that. What do you think about the whole Dobbs story? And you know, it's interesting. He was picked in the fourth round in 2017. Mason Rudolph was right. a third round pick in 2018. Rudolph is still a Steeler. Dobbs has been yeah. bouncing around for the last three years, so... What's yeah, your take on the whole Joshua him. Dobbs thing? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I just think, I mean, Dobbs was always a guy. He was a fan favorite from the beginning. I think part of it had to do with the fact that he was, you know, literally a rocket scientist. And that was always kind of a cool angle. Um, yeah. But he was, but everybody raved. Coaches, teammates, Ben Roethlisberger raved about how smart he was, how he was like another coach in the on the field. And how you would see, you know, when, when, Dobbs would be the number three quarterback, you know, and didn't dress for games. He would be there on the sidelines going over, you know, when, when the Steelers were on defense, he was the one Ben was talking to on the sidelines. Yeah. I remember you know? that so vividly. His, yep. His, his football acumen is just off the charts. I mean, that was always his thing, you know, and that's part of the reason you look at a kid who could come in on a Wednesday for Minneapolis or for Minnesota and win the game because he is like literally one of the smartest football minds out there. I, I, I generally hope he goes off someday and ha does big things for NASA or whatever it may be, but there's no doubt he could be an impressive coach. You know, I mean, that was always his thing. It was unfortunate that they, they, you know, they, they traded up to get Mason Rudolph. So they traded, Do you know, they traded Dobbs away. Um, you know, that was, that was the thing that a lot of, a lot of fans didn't like. Um, the little bit you would see Dobbs play, everybody liked it. The fact he was really athletic and could move and could run, you know, that was just always something we had, we had kind of lived through an era of, of Ben Roethlisberger backups that, you know, guys like, like, uh, um, Landry Jones and, and people like that, that just, you knew there was no, you know, the ceiling was so low for him, but Dobbs was a guy that, you know, the Steelers really liked. And then, you know, he was in, in Jacksonville for two years and then they cut him and then he came back to Pittsburgh. You know, the Steelers claimed him off waivers in 2020. Um, everybody was excited again. 
Um, he was on the roster in 2020. And then in 2021, he got hurt, went on IR and his contract expired. And then the Steelers just didn't pursue him again at that point. And it was after, you know, after he left after that 2021 season and then, you know, had a shot with, with Cleveland and, and that sort of thing. And then now he's, then he went to Tennessee. I think he was with Detroit for a little while. Then he went back to Cleveland. You know, he's been all over the place and he's just been kind of a late bloomer in terms of opportunities. But like he said in that interview, you know, you don't, you, you don't make excuses for your circumstances. Just when you get that opportunity, you make plays. And I think that's always kind of been his mentality. Um, uh, for a guy that looks like he's about 14 years old, <laughs> yeah. he plays with a lot of maturity. The game never looks fast to, to me, at, le- at least watching him play. I've never felt like he looked rattled or shook on the field. And I think that he's really kind of grown into that position. I I said, I, uh, I retweeted something the other day that said that everything good that happens in his life, he deserves. I mean, he's a, he's a genuinely good person. Um, and, and he's a, He's one that, you know, he's definitely one that got away for the Steelers at this point. You know, in hindsight, you, you definitely wish they would have kept him over Mason Rudolph, but he may have never developed into the quarterback he is had he stayed in Pittsburgh. You never know. Yeah, it's a wild story, but, uh, you know, the the kid, he's got a little magic in him and he's he's fun to root for. So, yeah, uh, and I could tell Steelers fans are rooting for him, too, over in Minnesota, too, oh, as yeah. well. So it's pretty it's pretty wild. But, man, to move from that 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 many different teams in that short a period of time as Joshua Dobbs and now to find to find uh, uh, to be able to find roles as starting quarterback with two different teams now in one year. It's just yeah, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. But uh, all, all but, I gotta say is Kyler Murray better be better be good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm if I'm a Cardinals fan, I I'm gonna be watching real close if Kyler Murray can really come back and play. Because if he can't, I would I would not be very happy um, trading him for a maybe sixth round pick. Oh, you weren't That's impressed crazy. by that tune that tune kid the other day? You weren't impressed oh, by my that? Gosh. Clayton Tune, I think. Oh, the name. Browns, yeah. the Browns ate him for lunch. Holy crap! That was yeah. that was ugly. Yeah. That was ugly. And um, but we've got a game to talk about: Steelers Packers. We're going to get yeah. into that one here coming up next. First, let's get some Week Ten fantasy advice, shall we? From the Huddle.com. Corey Bonini here of the Huddle.com to bring you fantasy football strong plays for Week Number Ten. Quarterback Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks versus Washington Commanders. Quarterbacks have posted at least 279 yards and two touchdowns in five of the last six contests against Washington, helping make this matchup 32.3% better than the league average in that time frame. Smith has more or less been a fantasy anchor this year, but he has the weapons to get the job done here if you're in need of a warm body with a plus matchup, given the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Tua Tungavailoa, and Jalen Hurts are all on by. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., Washington Commanders at Seattle Seahawks. Let's take a look at the other side of this matchup. On the ground, running backs have averaged 21.8 attempts, just over 116 rushing yards, and a score per game in the last month against the Seahawks. This matchup is much stronger on the ground for Robinson to exploit than via the aerial game, which is where we'll see Antonio Gibson step up. You can find solid RB2 worth here, and Robinson has a rather sturdy floor based on his workload. Washington is going to look to keep Geno Smith and company off the field, and relying on Robinson is the smartest way to accomplish that. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Arizona Cardinals versus Atlanta Falcons. Quarterback Kyler Murray returns this week, and he'll look to reconnect with Brown. The Falcons have given up the 10th fewest receptions per game since week 4, but this is the easiest opponent against which to score a touchdown in that time frame. 
7 of the 55 grabs, or 1 every 7.9, has found the end zone, and this is the third best matchup for PPR efficiency. Brown is a risk-reward wide receiver 3 with number 2 level upside. Logan Thomas, Washington Commanders at Seattle Seahawks. While we typically look to diversify the players and matchups we choose, it's just hard to get away from this one. There's so many angles where fantasy owners can take advantage, especially with so many quality players on by this week. Despite maintaining a consistently valid target share, Thomas has produced erratic results and has a rather low ceiling, especially without finding the end zone. He's a weak flyer for a score, but the volume data against Seattle suggests that he could be a favorable play with a reception-heavy showing in PPR scoring. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Kurt, uh, the Steelers looking to go to 6-3, and three, and they're hosting a, a Packers team that is kind of struggling this year, right? Uh, I don't know. The Packers, they, they started off the season hot. Uh, Jordan Love, people were feeling it with him, but it's kind of faded. He's, he's been struggling to, to throw the football accurately down the field, so it's, it's really made the Packers more of a rushing team, which they've always kind of been a, a run-heavy team with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, right? But uh, the lack of the downfield threat, their young receivers, you know, it's just it's just kind of a plodding team in the Packers. It feels like a team the Steelers can kind of contend with. Uh, how you feel about this matchup? What's your leadoff thought on it? You know, I, I like it for Pittsburgh. Like we were talking before we started, um, I think the teams are pretty similar. I think there's a lot of similarities between kind of where the Packers are and where the Steelers are. Both teams are going to want to run the ball. Both teams want to try to kind of protect their quarterback. Um, and both teams are playing pretty good defense. I know the the Packers have struggled to stop the run. So's Pittsburgh against good backs. You know, the Steelers run defense has improved, but they, they got gashed pretty good at the start of the year. And so I think it's going to be kind of, you know, you got a couple of old school franchises. I think it's going to be that kind of football game. I don't, I, you know, no one expects a shootout in a Steelers game ever, but I think this one's going to be particularly kind of a grindy kind of, chew up the middle of Akershire stadium kind of, kind of game this yep. week. And so uh, I'm okay with that. I, I like old school football. I'm, as long as Pittsburgh comes out on the wrong right side of it, I'm not going to complain about, um, you know, 14, 10 finish or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, mm-hmm. uh, but we've got to see if Pittsburgh can put together two weeks in a row running the football, you know, what they did in Tennessee was great. Um, if they can do it again, you know, that I feel great about their chances going forward into what is a, a pretty winnable second half of the season. So um, it'll it'll all start this Sunday. We'll see if we can get a get a repeat of last week's um, running back play, offensive line play. Uh, if, if that happens, I think Green Bay is going to have a hard time because if Pittsburgh can stop the run against Green Bay the way they did against Tennessee, uh, that, that make life hard on Jordan Love. That's for sure. Those outside pass rushers, when they don't have to worry so much about those outside runs, they they kind of make make life hard on a quarterback. Young Will Levis found out, you know, last week that you know the sledding's not always going to be easy when you got guys in your face all game long. It feels like maybe they can broadcast this game in black and white, Kurt. One of those throwbacks. Yeah, you know, the, we're gonna have right. we're gonna have the old right. uniforms on too. I know the big the big announcement the Steelers made, which oh, you guys had yeah. some fun with on Steelers Wire. I was dying reading those articles yeah. and the reactions you know, and, to them. And the thing is, his fans love it. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's big news. The block numbers, uniforms, the baby Steelers fans are, is just the, the, the golden ticket. The, you will see so many people cracking out their old school jerseys. 
that's that has been something that every year gets brought up. Why don't we just use go back to the block numbers permanently? Why don't we go back to that <laughs> yellow end zones? Yeah, oh, we're gonna let's have yellow end zones every week. So, yeah, it, it was it wasn't the big news. I mean, the big news fans wanted was the Steelers are firing Matt Canada and hiring Ben Roethlisberger, but I think we all knew that wasn't going to happen. So, well, that would be a little a little mean for the team to be like special wow. announcements coming and then it's Matt Canada getting be- fired. That would be the the trolliest troll. Of oh all my time gosh! For, yeah, for Steelers. Steelers social media is pretty good, but I'm not sure they're going to go that far. So. No, no. And you know what, Matt Canada, I think he's strung together a few good weeks. Like I don't think, like I understand that the pitchforks are always going to be out for Matt Canada with Steelers fans, Kurt. But I actually think he's been fine recently. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not worried about the play calling. I think it's you can't just put everything on the play caller, right? At, at some yeah. point. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers got to figure out how to start games a little bit faster, right? I mean, it yeah. just comes down to that. I mean, and maybe it was just that ride down the elevator that did it. You know, maybe just <laughs> coming down to the field was all he needed. Maybe. But but they definitely – now, Kenny Pickett didn't play any better. Matt Canada was in Kenny Pickett's ear, you know, every time he came off the sidelines, and it didn't improve Kenny's play, but the offensive line played better, and that's that's huge. That makes – that'll make everything go. Yep. But, yeah, I'm not going to – I've definitely – temporarily put my pitchfork away for Matt Canada at this point. So. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. How's the team looking injury wise coming off this little mini by Kurt? You know, I know Cam Hayward's been working his way back into game shape yep. here. Minka Fitzpatrick, um, questionable. A Landon Roberts yeah. popped up on the injury report. We know big yeah. on Travis Adams as well. Yeah. What yep. do you think about these guys? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, Adams, Adams and Roberts, I, I really hope that's more just precautionary because you know, the Steelers lost Cole Holcomb for the year. He was having a great year at inside linebacker. That kind of pushed Quan Alexander in there with a, a bigger role with the Landon Roberts. If Landon Roberts can't go, you're looking at Mark Robinson, you know, playing a lot more. I don't like that against a team that likes to run the ball. So that's one I'll definitely am on Travis Adams. He's a good run stuffer. You know, he's he's a guy, he's part of that kind of three-man rotation with Hayward. And Larry Ogunjobi and and Adams are kind of the three guys that get the bulk of the reps on the inside when they line um, Highsmith and Watt up on the outside. And so really, really want to see him out there. Um, I think it was a little premature for Mike Tomlin to kind of talk up uh, Mika Fitzpatrick being ready, you know, and to practice this week. Even if he does get a little time on the field this week, I can't imagine Minka's going to play. Um, but yeah, the defensive side of it, I, I really don't like seeing seeing those guys hurt. Uh, we'll see if they're just kind of gave them an extra day to to lighten up, and and then we'll see if they get back to work on Thursday because obviously Friday's the day when Mike Tomlin makes those big choices. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, ho- hopefully, especially Landon Roberts, I, I'm okay with you know more Keanu Benton on the inside. If Adams can't go, I don't think that's a, a step down at all, but. For as much as you and I kind of poked fun at Landon Roberts, you know, at the start of the year, uh, he, he's been a solid run defender. He really has. I can't can't complain much. Um, the problem is with Holcomb out, they really don't have an inside linebacker who can drop into coverage now. Uh, I'm not not real sure what the plan is. Maybe Patrick Peterson at safety a little more. Uh, keep Joey Porter out there, you know, as a starter with Levi Wallace. Maybe it'll be interesting to see kind of how how. Uh, how Tomlin addresses th- those injuries and how they kind of cover for some of that. And just to be clear, we poked fun at Landon Roberts's uh, 
pass coverage ability. <laughs> not his yes. Run stopping, oh, yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be yeah. clear. Yeah. He and he is still not a good coverage. He still can't no. cover. No, I, and I saw cover. that I saw that coming. Yeah, he is still just a chase a chase guy. He just mm-hmm. chases people around. He doesn't cover anybody. So yeah. Yeah. So the injuries on defense is a little a little alarming, but I don't think it's a all hands on deck kind of game. I just this is not a very good Packers team. The line is three points. Um I think the Steelers can cover that. I would I would take them I to cover too. that spread at home, Kurt. I mean, the Packers have struggled against the run this year on defense. They're twenty third in the league in mm-hmm. opponent rush yards per game. I just think if Kenny Pickett can just play play it clean, don't turn it over, the Steelers run the ball, commit to it just like they did against Tennessee. I think it's just like you said, and this is what I put in my own notes, like win a grindy unattractive yeah. kind of football game and yeah. and maybe go under 39 that, that's kind of my thought on the total as well but definitely yeah i definitely. like the i like the steelers oh i do too i do too i think they'll i think they'll cover and then they can start thinking about you know those next eight games you got four division games four out of division games and and how are you going to finish the year yeah i think at six and three we got to start talking how seriously should we be taking the the, the steelers going forward six well, and three you're right there in position you know, still have the worst chance of making the playoffs in the AFC North. All, all the, every I know. Team. I didn't even yeah. know that that was possible. Like every team from a division can make it. I, I honestly, I thought there was a rule against that, but apparently I not. Too. I did too. I couldn't believe that when I saw the playoff it's cool. picture and all four teams from the North are are in the playoffs. Unbelievable. Like, they're, they're hosting their own tournament or something. Seriously. That's, that's Seriously. weird to me. <laughs> Oh, it's so wild. But uh, so for Kurt Popejoy, Ryder Larry, check out Kurt's work on the Steelers wire leading up to kickoff beyond. That's where you want to go for all your things. Uh, Steelers, I'm sure you know that listening to the Steelers wire podcast, but just something that we'd like to say at the end. Uh, we'll be back next week to break down this one. Steelers and Packers looking forward to it. We'll catch you all then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.